It's a week where The Rock finally made his return to WWE and revealed that him against Roman Reigns was on the card for WrestleMania after all, where WWE announced that Elimination Chamber would be coming to Perth and released a load of top-tier talent, and over in AEW where MJF choked out Samoa Joe on a quality Grand Slam card that also saw Adam Cole and John Moxley sustain injuries. So loads to talk about on this week's Earning the Push. My name is Jack Murley, professional broadcaster, up early with professional rugby player Charlie Beck. Good morning, Mr. Beckett. How are we? Good morning. That is how I am. I can't even say good morning. Let me try that again. I don't really know. Good morning, Mr. Murley. I am well, thank you, despite that faux pas to start the show. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. We're recording this early on Saturday morning. There is loads to get into. Uh, Remember, if you are a wrestling fan, rate, review and subscribe to this pod wherever you listen. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on most social media. I am Jack underscore Murley. And look, we have to start in a really sad place, Charlie. It wasn't what we anticipated. But after the WWE UFC merger, we thought there'd be cost cuttings and it's begun this week. A load of top tier talent for WWE has been shown the exit door, including most recently Matt Riddle, along with Shelton Benjamin, Dolph Ziggler, Emma, Dana Brooke and a load of other talent. Elias, the list goes on and on. Sad times for all those involved. Yeah, very. It's um, the side of any business you don't like having to let people go and seeing people leave and sport and entertainment are particularly cutthroat. But I don't enjoy the way this is done in WWE, to be honest. I don't enjoy how they just do everyone at once. It seems very, very uh, cold and heartless. And it seems like these guys have zero warning. Like Emma, an hour before being released, was tweeting about how excited she was that WWE were going to Perth. And then an hour later, she's, she's not there. So... It's very sad. It's I I understand how it leaves a sour taste in the mouth when WWE have just announced these huge profits and this just going to Perth, all these great things they're doing, and then they can't keep their talent on. But unfortunately, it's part of the business that these individuals are in. And as sad as it is, and it is very sad, and we wish the best for all of them, if there's ever a time to be cut by WWE, this is probably the best one. There are so many options out there for professional wrestlers if they're willing to and want to to go and get work outside WWE. You look at the successes of the likes of Cody Rhodes when he left, Matt Cordana, the former Zack Ryder. There's loads of people in the indies and obviously AEW who are doing brilliantly. So the work is there if they want to. It's a rubbish time for them. I've been let go by rugby clubs. It's rubbish. You take a few days and you'll lick your wounds and and find the next job. But it's it's very, very sad for the people involved. It's sadly exactly what many folks thought would happen when this merger happens you cut costs you've got to make profit you've got to make it worth it for shareholders i agree with everything you're saying we wish everyone the very best of luck any names surprise you thought ziggler be a wwe lifer Mm. i really did i think you look at the career dolph ziggler's had i I honestly think it's it's a mad thing to say i think he's got had a hall of fame career he's a grand slam champion he's been there for nine on 20 years and he's done it all. He maybe didn't fulfil the potential that everyone thought he had and hoped he would, but he you could slot Ziggler at any point on a card and it would make sense. Like even if you stuck him in the main event now, you go, well, he's not winning, but he's gonna he's gonna put on a good show. So Ziggler surprised me. Uh, I was disappointed to see Shatton Benjamin go. Everyone knows I've got a soft spot of Shatton Benjamin. His the spot where he gets super kicked off the springboard by Shawn Michaels in the Gold Rush 2005 is the reason I fell in love with wrestling. I think there was a lot more they could have done with Shelton Benjamin. You look at his work in the Hurt business only a few years ago, he still had a lot to give. Uh, and then the Matt Riddle one this morning, I think 
the issue with Matt Riddle, I think we all know, is the issues outside the ring, and there's always a lot of drama there with him, whether rightly or wrongly. But Riddle, I, I like Riddle a lot in the ring. I thought he was great. He showed something a little bit different. I like that realism in wrestling, so that was a shame as well. So they're probably the three that surprised me most. What about you? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would say Riddle probably, without going into details, has been hurt by perhaps a slightly erratic public persona and his willingness to maybe... I sort of think he's a little bit like Rob Van Dam, where there's a WWE system and he's quite willing to just do his own thing. So I think he's been a bit hurt by that. But if I were a company, I'd be looking to pick up Rob Van Dam. Uh, excuse me, Matt Riddle. I'd be looking to pick up Emma. I think Emma is a great talent. I think if I was the AEW women's division, I'd be sniffing around her or Impact Wrestling where she's been. I think you just have to do what 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 the former Zack Ryder, as you say, has done. Mercedes Monet as well. Sometimes you go, do you know what? There is life after WWE, even if we just need to find our way and our place to it. So we certainly wish them all well. It's not what we thought we'd be talking about first today. That was meant to be the biggest news of the wrestling week where The Rock, the great one, the people's champion, made his return alongside Pat McAfee to SmackDown in Denver, Colorado. He delivered a people's elbow to Austin Theory, interacted with John Cena backstage. All on the same day, he revealed that he was set to main event WrestleMania in Los Angeles with Roman Reigns. Before anything else, Charlie, how cool was that moment for wrestling fans? Just incredible. That pop when you hear his music hit is an all-time. And I woke up last Saturday morning and genuinely was like, what the bloody hell is going on? Uh, what? what Like, SmackDown, I text you, SmackDown was loaded. Like, I know there's the writer strikes, which is probably why we've got Cena back. But the last thing I thought we'd see is The Rock randomly turn up on a SmackDown with no fanfare. Incredible, incredible stuff. And then... He's out here on College Game Day with Pat McAfee teasing us that he was meant to main event WrestleMania with Roman Reigns and then didn't tell us why he didn't. So uh, The Rock is out here just being a big old, big old muscly Samoan tease. Yeah, some would call him a rock tease. Um, uh, the, there he is. There we go. See, the thing is, though, just regardless of all the stuff with Pat McAfee and his game day show, which we will get into, that reminded me why I love wrestling. You don't know it's coming. It's a complete shock. You know, if we'd been in that crowd, we would be losing our mind. And because The Rock is back so rarely, it felt truly, truly special. And anyone who's felt a bit jaded with wrestling recently just needs to watch that 12 minute segment and just chef's kiss. It's why I love wrestling. Yeah. When wrestling does returns and surprises correctly, I don't think there's any form of entertainment that is better. Like when you get a surprise return in wrestling, you think The Rock, the SmackDown, you think Edge at the Royal Rumble 2020. When these guys come back and you have no idea, and that's hard to do nowadays because there's so many people, well, everyone carries a camera with them. Everyone's got a way to tell the world on Twitter. And it's so hard to do a proper surprise nowadays that when they execute it, it is just incredible. And we now know that it, should have been Roman Rock. We speculated all the way up to WrestleMania. Is it going to be Roman Rock? Is it going to be Cody Roman? What's be And we were joking, saying it's not going to be The Rock. Never. Turns out we were wrong. That was a live possibility for months and months on end. What do you make of him coming out on Pat McAfee's college game day show and, and saying, oh, yeah, it was meant to be me? I feel like he's probably annoyed it didn't happen, maybe, is the sense I get. Like, if... You feel like if it hadn't happened, because people are going to be annoyed it didn't happen. So people are going to hear that rest fans and be annoyed that didn't happen because we all would like to see that as a spectacle. 
So I feel like if it was his fault, let's say, you're probably not going to bring that up. So the fact that he's bringing it up makes it, it makes me feel that the decision was taken out of his hands to have that match. So I'll be fascinated to see if we hear any more about this or if it was just an off-the-hand comment. But I was shocked he said that. I was really stunned. I don't know if he was just caught up in the moment and the atmosphere or he's got this distinction between what he does on WWE programming versus what he does when he's on a show like Pat McAfee's, which is very open about the business of the business. But I'm just thinking how you can how you can go out there and say, you know, the biggest match in wrestling possible. Yeah, we almost gave it to you and we might give it to you at WrestleMania again this year. Maybe, possibly. What's he doing? Yeah, when he's there going, oh, Philadelphia, I like Philadelphia. What are you doing, Dwayne? Now, I don't know how much of this is that, obviously, with the writer's strikes and the um, acting strikes, he can't act. So I don't know if he's looking to fill his schedule. I don't know. But it's very, very, very interesting. And I wonder what the higher-ups in WWE think of this. I wonder what Triple H is sat there thinking when The Rock's out here with Pat McAfee on College Game Day just saying these things. I, I wonder if he's happy. Because it's more eyes on WWE. I wonder if he's like, Dwayne, what are you doing? You're backing us into a corner here. Because we probably all don't think that's the plan this year, do we? We probably all think, I know we think a lot and get it wrong, especially on this show, especially me. Um, but we all think it's, we're going with Cody Roman again and finishing the story, don't we? That's what I thought. That's what I thought they were doing. But that's before I knew there was this whole other parallel universe where the Rock and the Tribal Chief could meet. And now you've got the problem. Maybe it's not a problem, but now you certainly got the awareness that not only was Cody Roman last year plan B, but the Cody Roman again this year could well be plan B too. I just, remarkable, very rare you have something in wrestling where you just go, that has really, really surprised me. Not necessarily good, not necessarily bad, but it's really surprised me that openness. Bet Pat McAfee was over the moon he got that exclusive on his show. Yeah, Pat was just there going, I can't believe this. Dwayne, just keep talking. On you go, Dwayne. Yeah, I think it was brilliant um, for Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee's so underrated as well. I think that helped make the segment because you know Pat McAfee was living his best life on SmackDown. And big year for Austin Theory as well, right? Beating Cena at WrestleMania, now getting to interact with The Rock. Yeah, and, and as much as we say Theory, I don't particularly enjoy Austin Theory. I don't think he's been booked particularly well, but... In the last 12 months, he's been with The Rock, he's been with Cena, he's been with Edge. Like, WWE must be high on him because they trust him in these big segments. Yeah, I know he gets beaten up in these segments. I know he's the the joke of the segment, but he's trusted with these big segments. He had a long run with the US title. So actually, internally, they must be pretty pleased with Theory. Now, he has to start transferring that into how he's presented on screen, I probably think, like if he wants to make this as successful, because I think at the moment there aren't too many big Austin Theory fans out there, but it's not like we're also saying, going, oh, but he's a great heel. I'm just a bit meh on Austin Theory, but they obviously trust him in WWE to put him in these segments with these stars. You know who Austin Theory needs? He needs a Mick Foley style guy. Remember when Randy Orton and Mick Foley were feuding and Orton had all the potential in the world and everyone was saying Orton's the next guy and he didn't, there was something that wasn't quite clicking. Everyone could see all the bits and then Foley legitimized Orton. I'm not sure who that person would be in WWE, but Theory needs a run with that person. Yeah, he needs someone and a match to make him legit. And I actually think the whole pretty boy arrogant thing that that, um, Orton also kind of had you need some sort of hardcore match where someone takes you 
out of your comfort zone and you come through it and people respect you for it. Because at the moment, I don't, I don't respect Austin Theory and the fact that I'm like, oh, he goes to the well, he digs in, he grafts, he's tough. Whereas, and that was probably what it was like with Orton in the early 2000s and then Mick Foley took him through hell and back. Same with Edge as well at WrestleMania 24-2-22. I was close-ish. Ish. 24, he wrestled The Undertaker. That was stupid of me. No, uh, no, I know no, that. 20, no, 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 he didn't. 24, he was injured. What? When did he wrestle Taker? No, 20, 20, 24, he was in the triple threat with, with Cena and uh, Triple H. 23, he was injured. 21, he wrestled The Undertaker. No, he didn't. Orton wrestled Undertaker at 21. That's what I thought you were saying. I was talking about Edge. Oh, 24, yeah, Edge wrestled. Because yeah. I was saying he wrestled Foley, didn't he? This is going to be us in the nursing home, you realise. <laughs> Everyone's going, what are they on about? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. But what I'm saying is Foley did it for Orton, I did it for Edge in those Extreme Rules matches. And I think I think you're right. I think Theory needs that feud with that legend and that match. Everyone goes, ah, oh, okay, Austin Theory, he can hang here. He is, he is legit because at the moment he's just a pretty boy with a mouth who gets shut down by the legends. It's a, it's a tough gig to have that for Austin Theory. It is, yeah, and it's no criticism, Austin Theory, the man who is clearly put together, hardworking and passionate, but the character he has been presenting needs that next level. I, t- I uh, tell you, sorry, sorry, just going back. Was it this year? I think it was this year's Rumble that we saw Theory and Miz work together a little bit. Was it the Rumble or this year we saw a Theory and I think it was the Rumble. Hilariously, hmm. I could see the Miz being that guy. Like, put them in a tag team together and then have Theory turn on Miz, because Miz is legit. For all things that Miz is, Miz is a legend, is legit. I could I could see that that tag team into feud being money. And then I know Miz isn't a hardcore legend per se, but a good feud and win over the Miz could turn Theory's career. Maybe, I don't know, but it just popped in my head. It could well work. I would say if I was WWE, I'd be giving Kevin Owens a call to put in that yeah. slot with with Theory. Uh, we saw MJF have a very similar experience of taking a legend to the limit in AEW this week. We will talk about that shortly. Now, we were talking about WrestleMania coming to the UK not too long ago on this podcast. Uh, and there's been speculation about WWE going international to stadiums for a long time. Well, Boy, did they announce a huge international show recently. This week, we learned WWE is taking Elimination Chamber down under to Australia. The Optus Stadium in Perth, Saturday, February the 24th, 2024. It holds up to 70,000 people. And it's where WWE will be hosting one of its last pay-per-views before next year's WrestleMania. This is going to be huge, Charlie. You were down in Australia recently. Yeah, I was over in East Australia in Sydney, but they love their WWE in Oz. They really do. The Optus Stadium over there in Perth, it's about five years old. It replaced the old, um, well, they're still there, the Gabba over in Perth, but it's their new stadium there, and it is stunning. It's a proper, proper new sporting venue. Uh, the Wallabies play there. They play the cricket there. Sometimes. It's a huge, huge stadium, and it will be bouncing for, um, for Elimination Chamber. I think they took... Was it they took on their super showdowns, I think, to Melbourne a few years ago? But they were kind of when that was still in the era that they weren't really real pay-per-views, were they? They were almost not part of WWE. They were just spectacles. This is a proper pay-per-view with proper storyline, proper repercussions. I think it's very clever taking these gimmick ones like Money in the Bank to London, taking um Elimination Elimination Chamber to Perth. Like they're big, exciting matches for the crowd to watch. And it will be absolutely bouncing there. And very interesting that after going with the O two for Money in the Bank, 
They've gone, nah, 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 we're done with arenas. Give us the biggest stadium we can find over in Australia. We're going to fill it. I think the business of this is fascinating because this has been a UFC strategy for, for a long time. Go international, fill up your stadiums, get venues to play rights fees, bid for UFC to come to your city. And this is what WWE has started to do. We saw it with Cardiff. Uh, the Welsh government bidding to host Clash at the Castle. The, the government in Perth has got its logo all over this announcement. It's clearly chipped in some money to make this happen. And we're now going to get, just think of the run of pay-per-views we're going to get. I think they announced a rumble uh, for a big stadium down in Florida. They've got it at one of the Florida baseball stadiums. And they keep doing rumbles at baseball stage. I think it's really cool. There are about 50,000 baseball stadiums. They always have that long ramp. They're very... I, I kind of like the baseball stage will become the niche for the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I agree. I, I I like WrestleMania 19 at Safeco Field, which was a baseball stadium. So they got that baseball stadium for the Rumble. Then they're going to go to Australia and we're going to get the Chamber in a stadium. Then we got two nights of WrestleMania in a stadium. WWE, and I, you almost wonder... Was the business not hot enough for them to do this earlier? Are they just changing their mindset? But as you say, these B shows, they're now trying to make A shows by putting them in markets where they can fill stadiums for it. It's great. Here's my question to you, Jack. Rather than just for our want of seeing more in the UK, where, if you were WWE, would you take... Where, where would you want to be taking your pay-per-views now? Who would you want to be seeing bid for it? Because you see, um, I don't know if you see the clips and the footage of them in India for their live event a few weeks ago. It looked like that was absolutely crazy. So where do you, where would you be taking WWE to grow the market and the business side of things? I'd definitely be going to India. I'd definitely be going to India. Whether I'd be growing the market in South America, I don't know. But some of those Mexican soccer stadiums, well, if you were WWE and you have still got Rey Mysterio on your roster able to go and you're not trying to sell out the Azteca Stadium or something like that, I think you're missing a trick. So if I were WWE, while Rey Mysterio was good to go, I'd still be going to, to South America. Especially with the uh, success of Backlash down um, there this Puerto year. Was it Rico, Por right? Puerto Rico, yeah. The fact that they had, especially if you can, I know Bad Bunny is from Puerto Rico, but think about the South American stars you have. You've got, like you say, Rey Mysterio is the obvious one straight away. You have Bad Bunny's only ever a phone call away. It seems like he just adores the WWE. Um, Damien Priest obviously has South American heritage. I believe Zelina Vega does. So you've got some real big South American stars. So yes, I know Puerto Rico is their country, but anywhere in South America, the crowd are going to love seeing people from there, from the next world. So I think South America would be a very good... I would go to Europe as well. I think there's a huge, huge market in Germany. And imagine going to somewhere like the Allianz, where Bayern Munich play. There are big stadiums in Germany that would be... For the, the, um, the NFL go to the Allianz. Mm. Uh, they went last year and they were huge for that. It was a great, great uh, atmosphere. So I think there's lots and lots of places they should, they should, could and should take WWE. You almost program around who are your stars because of Gunther in in yeah. the Allianz. Um, so what do we do with Rhea Ripley? Because she is one of the biggest stars in WWE. We know that for her, it's a homecoming. She's going to be all over that card. I am convinced the biggest money match that WWE has is Dom against Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. And I would have Dom turn on Rhea Ripley at Elimination Chamber in Australia, I'm going to go out on a limb now and say that that's what they're going to do because that is going to be money. Yes, I, I know that you think that's their biggest match. I absolutely think you have Rhea main eventing. Now, whether that's in a singles match for her title or whether that's an elimination chamber match for her title, I don't know. I think either would work. 
I think the fact it's the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view makes me think that I would main event with her women's world title being defended in the Chamber, her coming in first. I'd have her in. You want her in the ring as much as you can, and I'd have her win. You, you have to have her win. I know she's a heel, but this is Australia will be loving her. I'd have a big segment or match with Grayson Waller, obviously being Australian, and I'd have... Bronson Reed have a good showing somewhere on the card as an Australian as well. I think that's really, really important that you do put. We went, we went wild for all the. I know they all lost at Clash of the Castle. All the UK talent lost at Clash of the Castle, but we didn't care. It was great to see our UK guys and girls having a great showing. I think you've got to do that again. You've got to play to the home crowd. Yeah, I, I still think have Dom screw up. Sorry, I think it'd be amazing. Sorry, I, Jack. Sorry. Context. Is- what sort of show are you putting on? Let me say, if you can perform in front of 70,000 people, <laughs> you're a better hey, man. Hey, edge and Lita did it. That's true. That's true. Well, I don't th- Dom is no edge, I don't think. <laughs> what I would do, though, if I was WWE, I'd be putting in a call to Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, and saying, look, I, I know maybe we didn't end on the terms we wanted, but if you've not put pen to paper with AEW yet, how do you fancy coming and main eventing a 70,000-seater stadium with Rhea Ripley? So I think that's an option. Because that, that's the question I was thinking. Like, If you were going to go one-on-one match for Rhea, who would you main event her with, especially with the fact that you're probably trying to build to a big match for her at Mania? So how would you give that one in February and then another one in April unless you do the same match twice? Yeah, it's very it's it's very interesting. But whatever happens, she has to be front and center. AEW was oh, front unless sorry, oh. unless they build to Jade Cargill versus Rhea Ripley in Perth. I don't know. That doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't right now. But if you build Jade Cargill the right way, in what what is it now? It's September. I'm looking at my calendar. If so I don't know what the month is, you've got what five months to build to it. You could, I don't know. Just I was thinking, who's coming in? Who we have a match we haven't seen? It's whether the problem is. I think that would get fans who are prop prop fans, hardcore fans excited. But you're not getting seventy thousand hardcore fans. You're probably getting a lot of people going. I don't know who this woman is, and you want the you yeah. I probably wouldn't, but that's the only one that I can think of that is new and we haven't seen that might excite people. Or it could entirely be like AW at um, Wembley, where just being there is enough to shift yeah. the vast bulk of the tickets, which I suspect it will. I think the on-sales uh, for that are going to be huge. So we watch and wait to see what WWE is going to do in Perth. We know what AEW did in New York, New York. So nice they named it twice this week. They took over AEW uh, over Arthur Ashe Stadium, excuse me, and we crowned a new Ring of Honor champion, a new AEW international champion, and MJF fulfilled his promise to choke out Samoa Joe. And while it was a great card with some great matches, the big story for me coming out of the show, sadly, were injuries to two Big AEW stars. Adam Cole appeared to tweak his knee. We have no more details on that. And John Moxley was clearly concussed. Both had a tough night. Yeah, so we'll hit the injuries first with Adam Cole's. I hate when when injuries happen through the most innocuous circumstances, almost more worrying because he's just running down to the ring. There is no reason for him to hurt his ankle or knee. I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's his ankle or his knee, but if it's ankle, he's just rolled it and tweaked it, his knee, he's done the same You'd hope it's nothing too serious. I know he went to the hospital and left on crutches. Now, that sends panic into everyone. But with a professional athlete, you put the slightest tweak on a knee or an ankle and they put you on crutches straight away. So it could be a one or two weaker, but putting you on crutches for a few days can make it a four weaker down to a two. So the fact he's on crutches isn't as panic stations as you might think. It doesn't mean he's broken. It doesn't mean he's out for months. 
Um, but hopefully he is okay. You could see he was in pain straight away as he was, as he was still delivering what he needed to at ringside to save MJF. You could see he was in pain. So hopefully that wasn't too serious. But the other thing I'd say with ankles especially is they hurt a lot even if they're not too serious. You sprain your ankle. Like you, you've sprained your ankle recently, haven't you, Jack? Like I'm not even saying like they hurt a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's not nice. And when you feel things pop and move around and you feel that you, you sort of, even if you want to walk it off and shake it off, you, you can't do it. Your leg won't let yeah. you do it. And and for me, what was worrying about Cole, and as you say, you're the athlete. I take your word as gospel on this. It was the fact that having jumped off the ramp and had that initial, oh, something's not right. He clearly was limping and having to work his way through huge grip to Adam Cole for doing it. But that was what worried me. It wasn't, a, oh, I'll shake that off. And from a... Athletic side of things, you'd much rather it's an ankle than a knee because unless you've completely broken and snapped your ankle, which he clearly hasn't because like terrible because he managed to, if he'd done the ligaments properly, he can't walk on it. So he's clearly not done it horrendously. Your ankle's better to do than your knee. There's more going on in your knee. You can do more minor things to your knee that leave you out longer. It's like I had a very minor tear in my knee when I was 16 and that kept me out for four months and I could walk on it fine. But you have to, so you'd hope it's his ankle and also physios man they can do some mad strap into your ankle that makes you all right like they can really look after your ankle when knees are harder so adam cole hopefully won't be out for too long jesus christ john moxley's injury was scary to watch like oh my god talk to me about moxley's concussion from the point of view as a rugby player who has concussion protocols in your sport who knows all too well as you've spoken about previously on this podcast that concussion is a career ender that it's nothing to joke about i have to say when i first saw it i thought he was selling because it was off the ramp he comes and it was only when he was struggling time and time to get up you go ooh i don't know here so that that's the, and that is the really tough thing with wrestling is if you'd asked me whether Bianca Belair's knee injury at SummerSlam was legit I absolutely would have said it is but she was doing incredible selling so you never ever know now the worrying thing here is it seems the ref didn't realise because he took another pile driver after the one that concussed him and that is so dangerous like the we're very well educated in rugby like the whole the danger it's called second impact syndrome once you've taken one concussion a second impact on a con- already concussed brain can kill you out right there and then. Like, it's nothing to joke about. They, concussions are incredibly scary, incredibly dangerous. The fact that he carried on and took another pile driver of all things is worrying how that was that was allowed to happen between Moxley, Ray Phoenix, and the ref. Something didn't... The pro. I'm, I have no doubt the protocols of AEW will be if a concussion or an injury occurs, the match finishes, and we work, we work a finish somehow. So somehow the three of them between them didn't quite get it right in the ring, and I'm not having a go at anyone. It's incredibly hard to do, but it is worrying that that happened. I'm sure AEW will be looking at how that happened. Thankfully, Touchwood, it seems that Moxley didn't have any further negative impacts rather than the initial concussion, because the way that pile driver goes as well, you, your neck's in trouble there. So you see his head hit the floor. So... I'm going to say just a concussion because it could have been so much more, but there's nothing just about a concussion whatsoever. They're incredibly dangerous, but thankfully he's been looked after and hopefully you hear reports that he's on the men are doing okay, but really, really scary stuff. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. What amazed me is how much John Moxley, having sustained that initial concussion, was able to do. Now, clearly in the ring, he was very slow. He was... 
he was clearly feeling the effects of it, but he was still able to work an 11-minute match. I would like AEW's concussion protocols to be. I have no doubt they'll be looking at this. If you suspect for a moment on the outside that he's done after the flip, that's where it ends. That that For me, the fact he was in the ring and even taking a pile driver in the first place for the finish, no one would complain if John Moxley's night at Grand Slam ended with he's on the outside, he's concussed, he's jelly-legged, he can barely stand at points, count him out and and let's get someone out to do a promo. That, that for me, and I, again, I assign no blame, live TV, live sports, things happen. That's where they need to be looking at down the line. Yeah, and you hope that is what the protocol is, and they they got it wrong. Uh, I'm certain this time it would of, be. I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely yeah. certain that yeah. AEW is not going to force athletes to work with a concussion. No. no, this is this is Tony Khan who works in the NFL as well, where there is so much concussion protocol because there is, unless you're in any case people aren't aware of it, there is a lawsuit against the NFL at the moment for their lack of concussion protocol in the past. So he, there, he's very much aware of the. Um, the seriousness and the effects of concussion. So I'm sure it was just a mistake. Thankfully, it looks like a mistake that hasn't cost anyone too much. Uh, but yeah, very, very scary. And not... AW, man, they have bad luck with injuries. They just have bad... And it is nothing but bad luck. Like these guys, they they work less than WWE. Like they don't go on the road as much. They are just unlucky with injuries. Yeah, really unlucky. But that aside... Good card for AEW, I thought. Really good card. Love the shots. Love the way they took their time over it. Love the way the stadium looked. Far less people in than previous Grand Slams. I think that's a reflection of AEW's business, but it looked great on on camera. MJF and Samoa Joe, real credibility-boosting win for MJF over Samoa Joe. Yeah, of all the ways I thought this would end, I did not have MJF choking out Samoa Joe on my bingo card. That's That's a real, real big... We're talking about earlier theory being made legit. MJF doesn't need to be made legit. He's done enough already, but that just adds to his credibility. And the handshake with Joe at the end, and every, I, I, um, I thought it was very, very well done. Joe loses nothing. Joe is Joe. Joe loses nothing by losing this match. But I actually think MJF gains a lot out of this win, where I probably didn't think he needed to, and probably wasn't aware of me thinking, oh, okay, that'll make him more legit until it happened. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought. And MJF doesn't have bad matches. We've been saying it for ages. When was the last stinker of an MJF match? I I cannot think of one. One thing I wish AEW did a little bit more of, just a little bit more of, just a little bit of editing some of the things that MJF does because there were moments where he was in serious promo mode and I was loving it and then Adam Cole was doing the phone call from Roddy Strong and you just think, just, just let me have those serious moments. That said, MJF in the segment telling the kid before he was adopted... Best thing AEW's done all year. Bigger than Wembley. Incredible. MGF is on fire. And I know he's teased for a long time about what happens in the, the war of 2024. My God, if he is out of contract in 2024 and he is available, I would be doing everything I could as WWE. Because I think if you lose MGF, AEW a lot uh, right now, I think a lot of fans stop tuning in because he's the reason I'm watching uh, AEW at the moment. Like I've never been a huge. I've always appreciated MJF. Always appreciate what he did, but I'd say he's the best thing. Not not him and Adam Cole. Even he is the best thing on AEW right now. And Adam Cole benefits from working with MJF. And I am a huge Adam Cole fan. Everyone knows that. But at the moment, Adam Cole is getting the rub of working with MJF, and that is kind of the biggest compliment I can give MJF right now. And the fact he's in his mid to late twenties, there's so much this man can and will do, and. I think, yeah, he will be licking his lips come contract time next year because AW can't afford to lose him. 
and WWE can't afford to miss the chance to take him from AEW. And MJF just sat in the middle like Jerry Maguire, shouting, show me the money. MJF knows those two facts as well as anyone else in the world. And he is. And if, gonna... he, if he doesn't, I'm happy to represent him for a fee. Yes. I will take, Jack and I will take, what, 2.5%? Happily yeah. to represent you, Max. Each, sorry, yes, each. Yeah. Yeah. Happily. Let's not be silly. Um, right, let's do everyone's favourite part of the podcast. Something from everyday life is earning the push. Something is going back to developmental. Not wrestling related, just things that are on our nerves or we want to big up. First or second this week? I'll go first. Matter quite quick this week. Okay. Um, earning the push is just having good neighbours. Oh. Uh, we're back, obviously, at home now, back in Cheltenham. Uh, I'm between Cheltenham and London, but in Cheltenham. Uh, and we've got... A neighbor on one side who we've had since we moved in here, and she's brilliant. We have new neighbors who moved in while we were away on the other side who are a couple sort of our age, and we've met this week, and they are lovely. And what is great is all three of us have dogs, and we all help each other with the letting out of the dogs when we're out for longer than we want. So we all have keys for each other's houses, and it's like, oh, we're going to be out for six hours. Could you let the dog out? So just having good neighbors is brilliant, and yeah, really, really nice, and really nice to have a couple to the side who are our age. We have the lady next door who's a little bit older and is lovely. They've got really nice dogs, and yeah, just good neighbors, especially when I was in Australia, where I didn't know anyone who lived around us. Having nice neighbors is a nice feeling. I completely disagree. I like not knowing my neighbors. Oh, wow. I... I don't know who is on either side. I don't know who is opposite. That is the way I like it. I don't like people knowing my business. I'm entirely self-sufficient. My idea of hell is neighbors who come and knock on the door, let people in and out, hate it. We could not be less similar. Fair enough, Mr. Murley. Fair enough. So that is my earning the push. And also I'm going to make that my back to developmental. <laughs> I'm just going to jump in now and say my back to developmental is is yours but the opposite i don't like neighbors. are you cutting a promo on my neighbors just to confirm are you sending my neighbors back to that mental or just all neighbors your neighbors are great any neighbors <laughs> who don't any of my neighbors who feel the need to interact with me i i like no one knowing my business and what is your thoughts on hit australian soap opera neighbors i'm glad it's back but i'll never watch it <laughs> I, I, it's like Pluto. I'm I'm happy to know it's out there, but it has no impact on my life. Neighbors is like Pluto. I hope that they're going to start putting that on their um on their credits, like out of this world. Exactly. Uh, so now, so you back to developmental. Because my I back to developmental is I have got this cut on my left knee, right? That I I got this cut from a stone playing. I got a stone stuck in my leg last November, and. It has not healed since last event because every week, either training or playing, I cut it again. So my left leg is always covered in blood. Fine. Over the future season in Australia, I had a few weeks off playing. The, the cut was so close to healing. Like, it was almost done. And then this week at training, I've taken all the skin off my knee and it's a brand new cut all over again. And I'm just at my wit's end with this stupid cut on my left knee. Do you know what you need? And this is this is my earning the push. It wasn't going to be, but there is a man on YouTube who does the hooves of cows. Oh, I've seen these people. You need him. Just to confirm, you are comparing me to a cow. I'm saying that he is, I've seen him take stones out of knees before. So, what... Well, I haven't, got, I haven't got the stones stuck in my knee anymore. The stone That's... hasn't been there for 10 months. That was the initial problem. That was, so... that was, that was a very short-term problem of about 20 seconds. Yeah, but this, I'm telling you, forget your physios. You need this vet man from, from YouTube to lead you into the crush, to put you in there. 
to iodine up your knee to put a little bit of bandage <sighs> on it and then send you back out into the pasture. Okay, I will give him a call, shall I? And you say, excuse me, I've been referred to you by my friend Jack and he thinks you could fix my knee. You watch one of them and they're addictive, this guy with the hoops. YouTube black holes, mate. They are dangerous. Well, I've sort of jumped all across your back to developmentals and earning the push and I've thrown mine in as well. So look, we can almost wrap it up. Just one final thought. That teasy Phil Brooks was commentating on an MMA event Mm. this week, saying he had two months before he could talk about the AEW incident and his future. Two months, by my reckoning, would take us roundabout to Survivor Series. He knows what he's doing. I'm fully sold that he's come to Survivor Series. Like, I'm fully sold on it. I think WWE are looking and going, oh, God, we've got Survivor Series in Chicago of all places. Like, we can't... They're there going, we can't not, really. And... I kind of don't blame. I mean, I as a fan, I want to see it. I mean, in six months, we'll be sat here and Phil Brooks, CM Punk, will be out of WWE and he will have burnt all his bridges. But I am here to watch the carnage. I'm not in that locker room. WWE will survive CM Punk if he comes in and tears things down. Just show me it. I, I'm here for it. And when you've got one of your big four in Chicago and CM Punk's available... Oh, you can't not, can you really? And if you were a better man, genuine question to finish off. I think it's more likely than not. How mad is this to say? I think it's more likely than not that CM Punk ends up back in WWE. Yeah, I agree. And that is absolutely bonkers. Imagine saying that two years ago. Ah, this whole, this whole pit, someone needs to write a book. Maybe I'll write the book, but someone needs to write it about this wrestling period. But look, it won't be today because we are out of time. Thank you for being with us for another episode of Earning the Push. Remember, rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. More and more of you listening each and every week. For that, we are grateful. Here's Charlie underscore Beckett on most social media. I am Jack underscore Merley. But for today, we are out of time. Enjoy your wrestling week. We'll see you next time on Earning the Push. Until then, bye-bye. (laughs) 